our series on uh, What Do We Believe series. Uh, we've been working through that all last term and uh, we're going to finish up with it today. Had a little bit of a break last week when we had the youth involved in what we were doing. Uh, and this week at Growth Group, this will be what we'll, our last one we'll look at on this one. Then we're going to change into looking at 1 Peter next week. Uh, this week we're looking at heaven. If you haven't worked that out already from what we've been talking about so far in the kids' talk. So what is it that comes to your mind when we say the word heaven? You can call it out if you like. What comes to mind when you hear the word heaven? Party. Hey, after the song, heaven is a party. Uh, true. What other things come to mind? Death. Okay, interesting. Peace. Yep. God's throne. <laughs> Remember there's symbolism in Revelation 21, mate. I'm not sure it's the idea there's no water. Uh, it's, uh, we can ask that question later, actually. It's a good question to ask. All right, there are a lot of different things that come up, don't they? I think when we get uh, uh, people uh, in the street generally, they often think of things like the pearly gates or a stairway to heaven, something like that. Or maybe uh, guys in clouds and wings and playing harps. Or maybe something like this. Uh, Philadelphia cheese. Uh, they tend to advertise as though there's just this floaty, airy existence of something that's up there like that. Uh, and I think actually most of those are very unhelpful for us to think about heaven because I don't think they're anything like heaven at all. Uh, and definitely there are no pearly gates there. But I think, I don't know whether you've seen this book, Heaven is for Real. Uh, it's a book that's pretty popular at the moment. And it's probably because they've just made it into a film as well. And I think they're actually starting to show it throughout Australia. And this young boy was only uh, three and he had an operation on... And in that operation he uh, technically died. And then uh, he came back to life, obviously, and he lives. And he's about eight or nine now or something like that. And he's uh, started talking to his parents about what happened when he died and about going to heaven and coming back and those sorts of things. Now, it's an interesting book. Someone gave it to me last year and I read it. Uh, there's some interesting things in it and I think some of the things that are in it actually do correlate well with the Bible. Other things are a little bit airy-fairy. But it's really popular at the moment and people are thinking about it and people are being changed by it. I was talking to a guy at a funeral just recently who said that this book that he read, this book, uh, just gave him a whole new vision. He'd already had some concept of uh, Christianity and the Bible but this really convinced him that there was a heaven. Well, I think it's helpful from that perspective but again, I'm not sure whether it actually... I can't comment exactly what happened to this guy, but there are some things in the book that I think, ah, oh, they're not quite there in the Bible. So what is it? What is there in heaven? What is heaven? What is it like? Where is it? What are we going to be like? Uh, how do you get there? They're the questions that we're going to be looking at this morning. Now, if you turn your sheet over on your uh, bulletin that you had handed out to you, you'll see there's a little bit of an outline. And like with all these talks that we've done, I can't cover everything. But if we get a chance at the end, I might open it up for a couple of questions and you can ask some questions if you like and I'll try and answer them from uh, the best I can uh, uh, talk about it. But first of all, what we're going to look at today is we're going to be looking at uh, where will it be? Where is heaven? Uh, then we're going to be looking at uh, what is it like? Then we're going to have a look at what will be like and then we're going to think about how do we get there? So they're the four things that we're going to be doing this morning as we think about it. How about I pray? And then Betty's going to come up and read to us from Revelation. We've got a couple of Bible readings this morning. And Betty's going to do both of them for us. How about we pray? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much that there is a heaven. 
that there is a place where we're going to be with you forever. We pray, Lord, that this morning as we look at your word together, as we think it through together, uh, that, Lord, we may be open to what you have to say to us, Lord. Uh, We may even be challenged a little bit to think about our concept of heaven and have a think about what you say about it, Lord. Uh, We pray that you'll uh, help us in that, Lord, and encourage us, Lord, and enthuse us uh, because of the place of heaven, Lord, that you have waiting for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Revelation 21, verses 1 to 4, and Betty's going to come and read that for us. Jerusalem. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Thanks, Billy. Always sounds better here in a Scottish accent, doesn't it? So Revelation 21 is right at the end of the Bible. Uh, it's in the book of Revelation. It's a apocalyptic book. It's a very uh, picturesque book. It's a very uh, book that paints big pictures of what it's going to be like. Uh, and so we have a picture here of heaven, in the sense of how heaven's going to be. And it's a stunning uh, passage, isn't it? Uh, and do you notice that as you read it, that it's interesting that it doesn't say that we go up to heaven, does it? And he says that heaven actually comes to us, comes down and dwells with us. Uh, the, old heaven, the old heavens, the old earth will be passed away. There will be new heavens and a new earth. And it comes and God comes and dwells with us. Uh, now that's quite a different, isn't it? Because uh, often when we think about that, we often think of going up to heaven. Somehow it's up there somewhere. Uh, but whereas the Bible actually doesn't talk about it in that way. When it talks about up heaven, it's actually mainly talking about the sky. So the word for heavens is more sky, not so much the place where God dwells. Uh, but what we see here is heaven itself is actually going to be a completely renewed and transformed here, earth. It's going to be very much like what we have here. It's going to be completely new and transformed. So there's a new heaven and a new earth. The new heavens is the new sky and the new earth is the new earth. It's going to be what we have here and now, but totally transformed and totally renewed. It's going to be different to what we have now because it's going to get rid of all the old things that have passed away. All the stuff that is bad about this world will be taken away and everything that is good will be kept because sin will be removed. Everything that is against God will be removed and everything that is for God will be here. That's a bit of a different picture, isn't it? That's not floating around in the sky with halves. That's not just painting Philadelphia cheese on a bit of bread. Uh, This is real. This is tangible. This is something that is great and that is good. A totally transformed and renewed world. 
And so I think the answer to Sam, will there be water? I think there will be water. I think what the idea of there will be no more sea is talking about is sea was the picture for destruction and death and so forth in the Bible. That's what the rest of Revelation talks about, this place where death and so forth, where there won't be any more of that. So in that sense, the sea won't be there, but there will still be water around. There could well be waves. We're not 100% sure on that, but there could well be waves there. But it's a different thought, isn't it? It's a totally transformed and renewed world. And so what will it be like? What will this world be like? What will it look like for you and I? Well, that's what Revelation 21 goes on and says, doesn't it? It says that, uh, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old or the things has passed away. So what has passed away? The old order of things. That is, a world that is broken and destroyed by sin and impacted by sin. That will be wiped away. That will be taken out of there. So every part of what this world has been destroyed by sin will be removed. No more pain. No more mourning. No more crying. No more cancer. No more dementia. No more pain in anything that we have, no more broken relationships, it will be completely renewed and transformed. It will be like Eden restored. You see, the picture of the Bible starts off with God and his people together in Eden, doesn't it? And it finishes with God and his people in a restored Eden, a restored world. If you go further on Revelation, the picture is exactly the same. The picture is, is a stream running through in a beautiful garden and with the tree of, the trees are there as well, of life is there as well. But there's one big difference, isn't there, between the beginning and the end. And what is it? There was no sin. Go back so so go Genesis one to two, there's no sin there at that point in time. There's God and how many people? In the end there's God and how many? Thousands, isn't it? It's a city. Okay, that's what the picture of Jerusalem, the heavenly city is. It's not so much that Jerusalem in, in Israel as such now is the city. It's a, it's a city, it's a picture, it's a difference, it's a change, isn't it? This city is like thousands upon thousands of people. If you go back further in Revelation, there's more people than you can possibly count. It's going to be huge, it's going to be filled with people. In the garden, with God, dwelling with them. That's what's going to be Eden restored, but with more people. Good's that going to be? It's not just Adam and Eve anymore. It's all of us who know and love Jesus will be there. That's why heaven's going to be a party because we're all going to be there celebrating with one another. How good is that going to be? So it's going to be Eden, that perfect, restored world with lots of people there together, enjoying it together with God. Notice there in the middle it says, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. If you read through the whole of the, of the Bible, that is a resounding sentence just about everywhere you go. That's what God designed in the beginning, God to be with his people in his place under his rule. When he say to Abraham, that's what you're going to have. Throughout the Old Testament, it's the same place. God will be with his people in his place and that's what happens in heaven. That's what it will be. 
God's people in God's place. He will be their God and they will be their people. It will be unhindered, perfect relationship with us, with God and with each other. That's what it will be. What a wonderful place that will be. No more breakdowns in relationship. You won't have to fight with anyone anymore. You know, some people say, I love to fight with people. I don't know who you are. It's strange. I hate... There's a reason why we don't like conflict, isn't there? We hate conflict because we weren't designed for conflict. We were designed for peace with God and with each other. And that's what heaven's going to be like. That's what this restored, perfect world is going to be. It's going to be like coming home. Uh, we love camping. Uh, that's not our setup, but it's not a bad setup. It's similar to one of our setups. Uh, we love camping. We love going camping. I talked about this at Murray's funeral. They love to go and travel and camp. People love to get out into nature and sit out in the fire. How good's the fire when you sit around it? Get rid of all the thoughts and so forth. But I tell you what, there's one thing better than camping. It's coming home to your own bed and to your own toilet and to your own shower. When you walk through that door, it's like, how good is this? Then give you a couple of days and it's all a bit fuzzy and you want to go back to camping again. But it's that sense, isn't it? When you come home from camping and you walk through the door, you can flick the heat on, you can sit on the toilet for as long as you like, you can have a shower and you lie in the bed and you think, man, how good is this? Because we feel the comfort of that. You see, heaven's going to be like that for you and I because this world that we live in here and now is really the camping version of the full-blown version that God's got for us in eternity. We're going to come into that and we're going to go, this is where I am supposed to be. Because you and I were designed to be in perfect relationship with God and with each other forever. But sin broke that and destroyed that and impacted that. And the rest of the world goes on about that, doesn't it? We feel that in every part of our life. That brokenness is there. But in eternity, that brokenness will be gone. It'll be like coming home because that's what we're designed to be. That's where we're designed to be for eternity. So what will we be like in eternity? Uh, what will we be like? Uh, we'll be floating around, sort of disenchanted bodies, a bit ghost-like. We'll be sort of somehow be looking like that as we're in this restored, renewed, perfect Eden with more people. Was that what we'll be like? Well, no, we're going to have new bodies, brand new bodies. And I think most of us here this morning would look at our bodies and say, yippee, how good's that? We're going to get brand new bodies. They're getting completely restored. Let's have a look at it. This is a great passage, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we'll jump past that one. And then we won't need these anymore. We won't need these books. None of these new body books. We won't need any more of them because we've got this body that Betty's going to read for us. Corinthians chapter 15 verses 35 to 44 the resurrection body but someone may ask how are the dead raised with what kind of body will they come how foolish what you sow does not come to life unless it dies when you sow you do not plant the body that will be but just a seed 
perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined, and to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. The star differs from star to star in splendor. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable, it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thanks, Betty. All these different types of bodies. Uh, but what this passage is saying to us, there is a discontinuity and a continuity with our heavenly body. There's a discontinuity that it won't be perishable anymore, it'll be raised imperishable, but there'll be a continuity in that we will actually know that that body is ours and it'll be similar to the one that we have. And we know that for a number of reasons because, firstly, we know that because of Jesus' resurrected body. Jesus' resurrected body wasn't completely different to the other. They recognised him, though. They could see him. He had similar features. He looked like what he was, was beforehand. But the difference was that this body could move to different places at different times. And then it is taken to be with God forever as well. It's different in that sense, but similar in another sense. Uh, when we see, when Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration and he sees Elijah and Moses, he recognises Elijah and Moses. He recognises their body. So it's similar but different. Continuity but discontinuity. But it is real. The bodies that we will have will be real bodies. They'll be able to touch, feel, taste. All those things will be there. All those good things that we have here and now will be there, but we will be the perfected you. The perfected you. You won't be ageing anymore. You won't be deteriorating anymore. You might be at the age of 21 that you thought you were perfect back then, almost. But even then we weren't, were we? But it'll be the perfected you in every way. In the physical sense, in the spiritual sense, because you'll be fully indwelled by the Spirit. You'll have the imperfect relationship with God. You'll be your character, who you are, what you're like, without the sinful aspects that destroy that of you. So we're not all going to look exactly the same. We're not all going to have the same personalities. We're not all going to have the same character in one sense. But we will be different. But we'll be that perfected personality, that perfected character. You'll be the perfected you for eternity. So it's not going to be boring. It's not like everyone's going to be the same and all doing the same all the time, every time. We're going to be different in, one, in that sense. But we're going to be the perfected us before our perfection, perfection of God and that perfect Jesus. And we'll be resembling him in the way that we love God and love each other. That's what it's going to be like. That's something to get excited about, isn't it? 
this world that we have now will be completely renewed and transformed. This is what heaven, it will be heaven on earth. It comes down and it is heaven on earth because God transforms it and renews it and it will be like Eden because we'll be, God will be here, we will be his people and he will be our God and we'll be celebrating together with him. And you'll be the perfected you there. Being able to live in a perfect, loving relationship with God and each other. Praising God, loving one another for eternity. Enjoying this creation or the perfected creation. Enjoying the beauty, being blown away by the sights. Without the sin, without the destruction, without the stuff that takes your edge off it. You know those moments in life where you think, man, I wish this wouldn't end. Yesterday I was standing at the wall. It was a gorgeous day, wasn't it? Absolutely stunning day. But people were still falling off their surfboards. They didn't quite do their turns perfectly. You know, boats weren't operating exactly as they were. Kids were falling off their bikes as they were doing on the skate parks. And I'm sure people that I was walking past were in distress in certain parts of their life, as I was. So we get glimpses of it, don't we? And we long for that, but it's going to be that perfection, perfected forever. We want to be there, don't we? We don't want to miss out on that. And that's the question, isn't it? We're going to ask in a minute. So this is what my definition of heaven is, that I think is from the Bible. Happy for you to talk about it later. Heaven is earth transformed and perfected with people who love Jesus in transformed and perfected bodies, enjoying perfect relationship with God, each other, and the earth. That's heaven. That's the picture we have in the Bible. How good is it? So how do we get there? How do we get to be part of that? How do we get to this heaven? Well, great question. I'm going to play a clip that might help us to know what that is. God's got a party going down. His party is not like most parties. His party will not leave you with a headache. God's party will not leave you with regrets. This is one party that will never end. Maybe you think God's party will look like this. Or this. mistaken because God's party will blow your mind the question is do you have an invite do you know the host of the party is God your friend but maybe just maybe you don't have time for him maybe <laughs> you're too time, busy with your own little parties or maybe you think God will cramp your style if that's you will miss out. You can't just come any way you like. This is one party you won't be crashing. But the truth is, you are invited. There is a way into God's party. Jesus, he alone is the way. He alone puts you right with God. He's your entry ticket. He's your invitation. Your VIP pass. Your access all areas. So if you want to party like it's infinity and 99, then you better get to know Jesus. This is the one party you don't want to miss. 
will you be there? Did you get the idea? <laughs> um, we didn't play it long enough, did we, Mick, to see whether it actually worked as well as we thought. Uh, I think the idea is there, though, isn't it? Uh, we're all invited to God's party. We're invited to this perfected, renewed earth. But there's only one ticket, and that ticket is Jesus. He is the one that makes it possible for us to enter into that perfected world because he removes our imperfections. We can't be in there, you and I, as we are, because we're imperfect. And the way to get rid of that imperfection is Jesus dies on the cross and takes it upon himself. All we need to do is trust him. And then when we do die, then we end up with him forever. Uh, There was a story I read recently about um, a Sunday school teacher who went into the Sunday school and started talking to them about, so how do I get to heaven? And I uh, thought she'd take them through this thing. And so she asked, how do I get to heaven? And I said, what about if I um, sold my house, sold my car and gave all the money to the church? Would I get to heaven then? And the kids, no, no. So okay, what about if I cleaned the church every day, uh, I mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would I get into heaven then? I said, no, 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 you won't get into heaven then. She's starting to think, oh, well, great, I reckon these kids have got it. So she said, what about if I love my husband, look after my kids really well and do all the right things at home, will I get into heaven then? And the kids said, no, no, you won't get into heaven then. She said, oh, great. She said, so how do I get into heaven? And one little kid in the back says, you've got to be dead, miss. (laughs) Hey, you know, it's pretty true in one sense, isn't it? Uh, But the answer is you've got to trust Jesus, isn't it? You've got to trust Jesus. He's the way that we enter into that renewed, transformed, new Eden with more people, with all those who love him as well. And the challenge for us, isn't it? Do we, do, do we trust him? Do we trust Jesus? All you need to do is say thank you to him for doing it. Ask him to forgive you, say thank you, and then start living your life for him. And then heaven is yours. Eternity, all yours. Don't miss out on it. Your invitation is there. It's in Jesus. Take him. And as that song says, uh, heaven is a party. It says, hey, therefore I'm going to live for him now, every day, every way I live for Jesus because I know I'm going to be with him forever. We're going to think about that more as we look into one, uh, 2 Peter in the coming weeks. But you see, we need to always remember that uh, knowing that we have eternity, knowing that we have all that, means that we live out now because of that. Uh, We live our lives in light of eternity, knowing that Jesus has given us that eternal life, that he has made us right with God. He's removed our imperfection so that we can be in perfection forever. challenges us to live that out now, doesn't it? To live for him now. How about you? How about you? Give your life to Jesus now and heaven will be yours. Heaven is yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we 
We thank you, Lord, for the amazing blessing to know that you are going to transform and renew this whole earth, Lord, and that when we put our trust and believe in you, then this will be ours in perfection with you, in perfection with each other forever. Lord, help us to trust that. Help us to grasp hold of that. Help us, Lord, to know it and be comforted by it and live because of it, Lord. Help us, Lord, by your spirit to trust you in this, Lord, to give you our lives and to live for you, Lord. Heaven is a party. It's a party with you for eternity. In a perfected, restored, renewed world, Lord. Lord, we look forward to it. May that give us hope every day of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.